turn today again our Bible, Psalm 119, verse 105. It's our youngins making their way to Children's Church. Y'all going to have Cheez-Its back there today? If y'all saved me some, I might, I may need some after today, amen? Uh, no, hey, good, glad you're here. Psalm 119, verse 105 is where we'll begin reading. The, the scripture course is on the front of your worship guide. Be on the screens here if you need that too, okay? If you find your place physically able, stand with me if you would in honor and reverence to the reading of God's word. Psalm 119, verse 105. Notice what the word of God says. He says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I have sworn and confirmed that I will keep your righteous judgments. I am afflicted very much. Revive me, O Lord, according to your word, except I pray the free will offerings of my mouth. O Lord, and teach me your judgments. My life is continually in my hand, yet I do not forget your law. The wicked have laid a snare for me, yet I have not strayed from your precepts. My testimonies I have taken as a heritage forever, for they are rejoicing of my heart. I have inclined my heart to perform your statutes forever to the very end. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray you'd add your blessing to the reading of your word today. And Father, I pray you'd help me to articulate faithfully what you taught me this week. And God, that I may help your people walk more closely to you, love you more dearly, and see you more clearly. And God, may you be honored and glorified through the proclamation of your word today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you. You can be seated. Today, I'm speaking to you on the power of his presence. You know, as I prayed this week and as I pray for you today, I pray that God would help us to make known the truth of the gospel, that it would really affect how you live, it would affect the decisions you make. As God guides your steps, as we'll read about today, it would make a definite difference in your life. You know, Adrian Rogers always said the true test of a man's preaching is not how many people come to hear him preach, but how many people live differently as a result of being there. And I really want to help you to walk with God between Sundays not just on Sundays. I want to say to our students, thank y'all for sharing with us this morning. It means a lot. I know what it takes to get to stand up here in front of people and talk. It's kind of intimidating, isn't it? But y'all uh, y'all did great. Thank you for sharing with us. Uh, appreciate all that goes into that. And I want to say to you parents, if you have your children involved in anything under the sun, have them involved in the ministry of the gospel of Jesus Christ. All these other things are good. Man, I love them. I love athletics, and I love extracurricular stuff, and, you know, I think all that's wonderful. Many of our students are involved much in those areas, but I'll tell you, above all, have them involved in something that's going to affect them long after those days are over, and that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? I cannot stress that to you enough, and not only after those days are over, but will help them be a lamp and a light, as we're going to talk about today for the journey that they're in right now. I believe one of the greatest blessings of being a child of God is being assured of his constant and continual presence in our lives. Uh, we have the wonderful privilege as children of God. If you're a child of God today and you've been changed by the power of the cross, you can live each day with a comforting peace of knowing that you are never alone in your journey. It's been said that the greatest ability 
is that of dependability, which is especially true when it applies to the Christian life. When we witness the faithfulness of God, and can I say we have all been witnesses to the faithfulness of God, we understand him to be the true source of dependability, and by that we are motivated to live a life of faithfulness to him and before our fellow man. I love the hymn that's in the old red back hymnal, page 162, Living by Faith. The hymn writer said these words. He said, I care not today what the morrow may bring, if shadow or sunshine or rain. The Lord I know ruleth over everything, and all of my worry is vain. Living by faith in Jesus above, trusting, confiding in his great love, from all harm safe in sheltering arm, I'm living by faith, and I feel no alarm. The words of that great hymn from days ago, they still speak to us today, and it reminds us about what living a life of faith is all about. Because when we live a life of faith, we can truly trace the faithfulness of God throughout our past. So many times in our past, we could not trace his hand. We had to learn to trust his heart. And as we learn to trust his heart, we can look back now that we're on the other side and see how he worked so faithfully and how he was so active in our lives, guiding us to where we are today. You see, his past faithfulness helps us to trust the Lord with all of our present issues as well as being able to trust him with what we might be encountering in the future. So as we talk about the power of his presence today, I want to bring a couple of things to your attention, and I'll say to you, we'll probably make it down through about verse 108. I don't think we'll make the whole stanza today. Y'all be real hungry by the time we got there, right? But no, I, I understand uh, where we need to be, and I, I believe we'll get through about the first four of these, but this is what's amazing to me about the Word of God, is the Word speaks so clearly to wherever we are in our life and wherever we are in our journey, the word has so much to say to us and I don't want to just hurry past something that would maybe make a delible difference in your life. So as we talk about the power of his presence, I want you to notice in verses 105 and 106, the psalmist talks about the effective leadership of our Lord. You know, we hear a lot about leadership in our world and there have been a lot of books written and a lot of conferences held and a lot of seminars and things like that. Uh, on the subject of leadership. I took classes at seminary on leadership thing and read all kinds of stuff, read all kinds of people and all kinds of ideas. And of all the ones I read, my favorite one, my favorite author and my favorite book on the subject of leadership was written by Henry Blackaby and he wrote a book called Spiritual Leadership. And he defines spiritual leadership as simply this, moving people onto God's agenda. Real short, simple definition but there's a lot to be said in the task before us. Moving people onto God's agenda. I mean, it's so important we understand that. I've never found a more clear definition on that subject, but that's really what it's all about. God has given us his agenda and his word. He has called men to stand and proclaim its truth and be sources of leadership by following his ultimate leadership to guide God's people to get on his agenda. There's a lot of challenges of that in our world today. 
I read this week that during a commencement address in 2008 at Stanford University, and let me clarify, Stanford, California, not Samford, Birmingham. Somebody's like, Samford done gone liberal. Now look here, Stanford University in uh, California, at their commencement exercise in 2008, they had a very well-known speaker at their, at their commencement address. Her name was Oprah Winfrey. You ever heard of her? Yeah, a time or two, right? But Oprah Winfrey gave the commencement address and she said some things that I think kind of help us see where our world is going and where we must take a stand for truth. She said this, and I quote, Feelings are really your GPS system for life. She goes on to say, when you're supposed to do something or not supposed to do something, your emotional guidance system lets you know. <laughs> does that not sound absolutely nuts? Yeah, it does. Uh, here's the deal. Ladies and gentlemen, you cannot trust your feelings to be your GPS for life. Your feelings will change. There's constant movement in feelings. They come and they go. We do not trust our feelings because if we do and we follow Miss Winfrey's advice, we are following some false advice. And it would be very detrimental to your journey if you just allow your feelings and emotions to guide and drive your decisions for life. See, we understand that God the Holy Spirit indwells all believers and in conjunction with the living word of God, the spirit of God and the word of God provide the ultimate leadership for our lives. That's why I constantly remind you of the importance of having a biblical worldview, that your worldview is shaped through the lens of scripture, not through the lens of media, not through the lens of magazines and all that kind of stuff or any book you might read, but that your worldview would be shaped by thus saith the word of God. That's the way it must be. I believe that. See, I believe it is God who desires for his children to pursue his agenda, not the agenda of the world by no means whatsoever. And I believe in these next few verses that we're going to walk through together, we're going to discover how the effective leadership of our Lord will help us enjoy and employ his daily presence in our lives. In verse 105, we see that the psalmist speaks to us about a word of powerful illumination. These words take me back to my earliest memories of Vacation Bible School, and I bet when you read that verse, you probably think about the same thing. It was always interesting to me how the boys would scramble over who got to carry the flags, but no boy wanted to carry the Bible. That had to be a girl. Y'all remember that? I mean, boys don't carry the Bible. Girls carry the Bible. Boys carry the flags. I don't know where that came from, but that's just the way, they, that's just the way it was. But I can remember the little booklets they put in the pews and it had the pledges and it had the songs and, and, and we would recite those pledges. And we still do that today even in our vacation Bible school. We want to teach young people to love God, love their country, and love his word. Amen? That's still good stuff. It's still stuff that needs to happen. And we teach them that the Bible is very important and it's our guide for life. You'll remember the pledge. I pledge allegiance to the Bible, God's holy word will make it a lamp to my feet, a light to my path, and will hide its words in my heart that I might not sin against God. Well, John Phillips said this on that subject. He said, a light on the path shows the direction we're heading. A lamp shows us the very next step. 
A light, no matter how bright, will not show all the twists and turns ahead on the road, but it will give us a general sense of direction. So as we look at verse 105 and we unpack its truth, we've got to talk about the two major subjects, which is the light and the lamp. Let's take the light and talk about it just for a moment. I learned this from Warren Wiersbe, and it's some good stuff. The Word of God is a light that shines from above. Just as the sun is the center of our solar system, likewise, God is the center of the, our universe through His Word. Everything we are and everything we're about as children of God centers around God and His Word. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 1, verse 5, that this is the message which we have heard from Him and declare unto you that God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. That's a wonderful verse for the child of God today because He is the true source of light. He is the light. There is no real lasting eternal light in any other source other than through God and His Word. He also teaches us that the Word is light that shines from within. He works in our hearts through His Word and through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's something that's from within us that ought to affect those around us. In verse 130 of Psalm 19, the psalmist said, The entrance of your Word gives light, and it gives understanding to the simple. He's saying, because your word has come into my life, it has changed my thoughts, it has changed my decision-making, it is making a difference in who I am from the inside out, and I am grateful to God for the source of the light of the word of God. He also teaches us that the word is a light that shines around us. It shines from above, it shines from within, but it shines around us. It shines around us so that Satan... The world's evil system in the flesh, and even though other pitfalls surround us, the Word of God shines around us to give us direction. Psalm 43 3, the psalmist said, Oh, send your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and your tabernacle. He's saying this the light of the Word of God has led us to the presence of God where we can dwell in His presence at His holy hill and at His tabernacle. Proverbs 6.23 says, For the commandment is a lamp, the law a light, reproofs or instruction or the way of life. It's very clear that we need the light around us to protect us from the pitfalls around us. And then he said, The word is a light that shines from ahead, not from behind. If you and I were to go out here tonight after dark and say we went out on a dark road and took off down Highway 9 where the street lights end and all we had was the light from our car to guide us, and someone said, I'll tell you what, I've got a neat idea. Instead of using the headlights, won't we just take those bulbs out and let's just drive forward on the light from our taillights? Well, you'd think that's foolish. You'd say, nobody would do that. That doesn't make sense. And, very quickly you would get in a very dark place and there wouldn't be enough light from your taillights to be able to help you so therefore you would end up in a ditch real quick ladies and gentlemen I want you to know it's amazing today how many people are trying to go through this life without the light of the gospel and are literally trying to go forward driving off their taillights see when you have the light coming from behind and not from in the front it casts a shadow the Bible teaches so many things about how the Word of God goes before us and how He is leading our path. The Bible tells us in the book of James that every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father above and in whom there is no shadow of turning. There is no shadow in where He is leading us and He is being faithful in our journey. 
2 Peter chapter 1 verse 19 says and so we have the prophetic word confirmed which you do well to heed as light that shines in darkness until the day dawns and the morning star arises in your heart you can be thankful and you can be grateful that God has given you his word to shine the light ahead of you and not from behind you amen so there's the light but let's talk about the lamp for a minute okay not only do we have a light to give us general direction, but we've got a lamp to give us some specific direction. In our world today, a lot of people profess that we're living in an age of enlightenment. But I want you to know our world is anything but enlightened. Our world is not living in the age of enlightenment. Our world is living in a time where we are filled with darkness and despair. We do need light, as I said, for that general direction but we need the lamp to give us specific direction because here's what I know about the Word of God. I know that the Word of God teaches me that He has a general will for all of His children that you and I would be born again, that we would be conformed to the image of His dear Son, that we would bring glory to Him through the life that He's given to live for Him by fulfilling our individual purposes. That's His general will. But He also has some specific steps and a specific will for His children where he's put within you specific gifts that he's not given to others and he's given others gifts that he hasn't given to you so that when we put it together it brings a glorious church together because we're all using our gifts individually that we might glorify God corporately and because of that he has given you specific gifts to carry out a specific task and you have a specific purpose in your life where you need God to get real specific about your steps amen it's important we understand that. See, the psalmist uses a word picture in verse 105 just like he did in verse 103. And he did so to speak to the readers about things they were familiar with. Very important to understand that. See, a lamp only gives enough light for us to take the next step. I was telling them in the early service when I read at home sometimes I've got a lamp that's by my chair and my table and you know they got tables now that's got USB cords you can plug in the back they just got some really fancy stuff that they didn't have years ago so I'll try to charge my phone but I've learned something about these phones they've got us because after a while they quit working right don't they and they won't charge up and the battery goes dead real fast and all this kind of stuff so I'm have, constantly having to charge my phone and I have to pull it over to the right and up just a little bit to where it'll connect right and, and then I'll set it down and it'll disconnect and it just, you know, just one of, those, one of those frustrations of life, I guess. But when I'm reading, I don't like to turn on the overhead light because it's just kind of light of everything, but I really like the lamp because it gives specific light to what I'm doing, okay? That's what the Word of God does, specific light for the next step. In the early centuries, people understood this illustration. The reason they did is because they carried these small clay dishes around that contained oil that they could burn that would give light to them, but it only gave them enough light for the very next step. They weren't able to see the whole route at one time. And I believe that you and I must learn, just as the picture is teaching us, to walk by faith as we trust God for the very next step. Every time I think about this, and I mentioned y'all last week about robbing the honeybees, but I can remember sometimes on the way to the honeybees, there'd be a lot of briars in the way. 
I can remember sometimes being small or not being able to see over the briars and not being able to see the total destination would get fearful about going forward because I knew what those briars would do to you. And I can remember my granddaddy would walk through there and he'd take his big old boot and he'd step down on those briars to the left and step down on the briars to the right and he'd turn around and tell me, he'd say, boy, just come over here and put your foot down where I just put mine down. Step on top of them briars and we're going to walk straight on through here. And when I think about those things, I think about that's just what God is saying to us in the word here. Wherever he's left the print, put down your foot, trust him for the very next step. Don't worry about everything between now and the destination. Just trust him day by day for the very next step. You know why? Because when you do that, when you act in obedience, it will lead you to arrive at your appointed destination faithfully because we're to see the whole map before us because if you and I could see everything that's going to happen in our life for the next five years if we're going to live that long, we would, we would be totally petrified to even get out of the bed. Well, we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, next week. We've learned that in the last year. We have no idea of knowing every little thing that's going to happen. But we do know this. Regardless of where we are in the journey, we're not alone, and he is the one giving us light for the very next step. You say, preacher, is there anybody in the Bible that had to demonstrate that kind of faith? Oh, yes, there is. Hebrews chapter 11 gives us an entire roll call of people who lived and died by faith talked about some who were so believing in God and his word that they were willing to be sown asunder. Do y'all know what that means? They put them in a hollow log and sawed the log and sawed them in two inside the log because of their faith in Jesus Christ. Wow. Ladies and gentlemen, listen to me. There are people throughout Scripture, we could name them from day to day. We could talk about Abraham who had no idea where he was going when God called him. Can't you imagine your husband coming home this evening and saying to you, saying, sweetheart, we're moving. Where are we moving? I don't know. What are we going to do when we get there? I don't know. How are we going to make a living? I don't know. What are we carrying with us? None of it. <laughs> Y'all wouldn't like that, would you? No, and, and then he looks at you and says, the only thing I know is God said to go, and we got to go do what God said. That would probably not be enough for you, would it, ma'am? You'd be like, we're going to talk to somebody else. I don't believe God's got this right. But that's what happened with Abraham. Abraham couldn't see his whole journey. Abraham, first of all, his name was Abram. You know what that meant? That meant the father of many. People mocked him and made fun of him because he was supposed to be the father of many. He had a name that said he was the father of many, yet he had no children. And God said, I'm not going to let your name be Abram anymore. I'm going to change your name to Abraham and that name doesn't mean father of many. It means father of a multitude. So here he is. He's got a name that says he's the father of a multitude. He has no children. He couldn't see the whole journey. But when God changed his name from Abram to Abraham, the only difference between the name Abram and Abraham is the smallest letter of the Hebrew alphabet, and it's called a yod. It's literally a breath mark. Old country preacher told me years ago, said that when God got a hold of Abram, and he breathed on his life the breath of God. He took him from being the father of many to a father of a multitude. He didn't have any children. He had no way to prove it. But yet God's promise was revealed and fulfilled. And now his descendants are as the sands of the sea and the stars of the sky, just like God said it would. No, Abraham couldn't see the finished product, but he had to trust God for the next step. 
Oh, the Bible teaches about more people throughout Scripture. We read in the book of Genesis about a man I know you've heard of named Noah built a big old boat, but it never rained. I don't know about y'all, but you say that doesn't make any sense. Sometimes God doesn't make any sense, and he doesn't have to. He told Noah, said, I want you to go to prepare this ark. And for 120 years, he preached and told people it was going to rain and flood the earth, and they made fun of him until it started raining. There's a world of people out here today that men of God are telling you, Jesus Christ is coming again. He's coming to take his church home and that judgment is coming to this world and yet people continue to mock and spurn the word of God and they say, it haven't happened, it never will. You can write it down. Just as much as when Noah preached and it would rain and it did, we're preaching today that the Lord is coming again and that judgment is coming and it's going to happen just like he said. We can't trust him for everything until we trust him with the very next step. The Bible records a story about a man named Nehemiah that I can't wait to get to heaven to meet. <laughs> Nehemiah got burdened over his homeland. He got burdened over the spiritual condition and the physical condition. He said the gates are burned with fire. I've got to go back, God said. He put his life in danger many times. But Nehemiah went back and did what God said. He went before uh, the king and asked permission to go. That was dangerous. Uh, he went and he began to survey the place and there was danger in that. And when he began the work, the naysayers showed up. The old cold water committee. If you haven't been around our church in the past few years, you know we fired that committee here. Y'all do remember that, don't you? Now we fired the, the fire out of them, I mean. Because the cold water committee, in case you're not familiar with them, they operate in most every church. When God begins to move in the church and people begin to get unsettled and people begin to get a little uneasy and the preacher steps on their toes and their heart and their head and their ears and their nose and everything else, they're like, hey, we got to do something. No, no, the cold water committee is the ones that show up when God starts to move to throw cold water on the whole thing. So anyhow, I had a man call me. Wasn't long after I told y'all that. I guess it was the first year I was here. I t we fired them, didn't we? Bobby, was it the first year? Okay. Yeah, it's okay. Second week. <laughs> anyway, we fired them quick because here's the deal. They've never been elected. They've never been appointed. They've never been approved by any church, but yet they operate everywhere. And that evening, or maybe that, that might have been that evening, my uncle called me from another church. He said, what committee was that y'all fired down there at Heflin today? I said, man, word travels fast. We weren't even on the internet then. I said, the cold water committee, and they're in your church too, and the best thing young dudes fire on them. But anyhow, <laughs> I don't know if they did. But anyhow, he might be a member. I don't know. But anyhow, uh, it could be. It's possible. <laughs> but Nehemiah met the ultimate cold water committee, sent about it to buy and guess him. And man, they, they threatened him. They made fun of him. They told him he'd never get done. They told him he'd never be any good. But what did Nehemiah do? He just kept trusting God for the next step. He trusted God day by day, even when they tried to get him to come down and have a little convention on the plane of, oh no, he didn't go. Look here, ladies and gentlemen, he just kept trusting God for the next step. And 52 days later, the walls were done. Why? Was it because he saw everything on day one? No, on day one, he followed day one, day two, and consecutively every day until he completed the will of God.
for his life. Wow. We can't always see the entire journey. I never knew my journey would ever circle me back to Cleveland County. I can tell you that. I thought, you know, I just had no idea. But I'm grateful to God he did. And I learned to trust God for the very next step. I, I remember one time when my girls were little, and Brooke was just a baby because she was still taking formula. And this has happened in your, many of your lives too. You, you get your payday and you pay your bills and you got to go buy your baby's formula and you don't know if you got enough money left. And then in the midst of that, you know what happens? They get sick. And then they got to go to the doctor. And you know you ain't going to have no money when they get down there, right? And they got an ear infection, got to have some prescriptions and all this kind of stuff. And you, there are many times I've sat behind a desk, put my face in my hands and said, Oh, God, what have I done? I, I, I'm making this hard for my family. And, I was, and God just reminded me, he said, did, I, did you not trust me on day one? Well, trust me on this day and trust me tomorrow. I'm going to take care of you. It's going to be okay. Can I tell you this? There were times in my journey I didn't know if I could see enough light for the next step, but he always was faithful. Always. They didn't have to ever do without, and I'm grateful to God for that. Always remember to put your foot where he left a print, and you will walk faithfully to your destination. Let me share one other thing here with you. He also had talked about his personal conviction in verse 106. He talked about a conviction to serve the Lord, but let me talk about verses 107 and 108, and that's probably as far as we'll get. He talked about effective leadership in those first two verses, but the next two verses, he talks about engaging lordship. You see, the presence of difficulty and problems is always before us. We're never going to escape them. They're always going to be there. Job told us in Job 14.1 that man's born of a woman's a few days full of trouble. Real life that you and I are living involves real problems, real difficulties, and real afflictions. We know that. And our response to these issues must be fueled by a life surrendered to the lordship of Jesus Christ in our relationship with him. I want to park out here for just a few minutes on verse 107 and 8, and I'm done. But I want you to really dial in here because the psalmist issues a cry for revival from discouragement. Repeatedly in this chapter, 17 times as a matter of fact, in this chapter, the psalmist writes that he is in a time of severe affliction. But the adversity is doing something to him. It's what he's experiencing has caused him to feel beaten down physically, mentally, and spiritually. He feels like he's about out of gas. His weakness was a result of affliction that was coming at him from these outside forces, and the words of the psalmist indicate that he had been afflicted by some powerful and influential people, some of those that had some prestige or something that could really do great damage to him personally and to his testimony. But God reminded him of something. God reminded him that he's always greater than our enemies. The Bible teaches us in 1 John chapter 4 that greater is he that's in us than he that is in the world. Ladies and gentlemen, when you experience repeated affliction from the outside, it can lead you to experience depression on the inside. 
I want to speak to you about this for a minute because some people, they, they turn their head, they don't give it any attention, and they don't believe it's real. But I'm telling you, in our culture today, we must speak on subjects like this because it's, it's what's out there. It's what's going on everywhere around us. Many of us struggle with things in and of ourselves, but this man had experienced so much affliction on the outside that he was experiencing depression on the inside, and our circumstances have a way of getting us down when we're completely drained, especially physically. John Phillips said this on that subject. He said, the Bible ministers to our inner person, our spirit. It fortifies our heart and soul and revives us. It deals with anxiety, guilt, and depression, which with inhibitions and fear, with all those negative feelings that torture us, it assures us that we are known, loved, and wanted by the most important person in the universe. Did you hear that? Let me say it again. The Bible reminds you, reminds me and you, it assures us that we are known, loved, and wanted by the most important person in the universe and it links our weakness to his strength. Man, that's some good stuff. Did you know that the most important person in the universe knows you, wants you, and loves you? I don't believe the Pope in the back. Let me, let me say it so those in the back can hear him, okay? The most important person in the universe. Marty, look here. He knows you. Old Marty from Randolph County, Alabama. He knows Marty from frog level, right? Hey, man, wait a He knows you. Look here. And he wants you. And he loves you. See, it's one thing. When somebody says, hey, we need you down at the church, you know what that means? That means we're going to tolerate you. But when somebody says you're wanted, it means something, doesn't it? That, that you're not going to be a number, you're not going to be a pew filler, you're not going to be just somebody to make us feel good about ourselves, you're going to be somebody who's going to be engaged and employed in the service of the King of Kings who knows us, loves us, and wants us. That was really worth your trip to church today because I'm telling you, there's a world of people that need to know that and that's the message. Don't just trust the preacher to tell it. I want you to take that message and go to where you work and go to where you live, go to where you play ball, go to where you do whatever, where you shop, buy groceries and let people know they're loved. I was at the real spiritual place the other morning. Cracker Barrel. <laughs> and they had a group of boys in there they all had on the same hoodies so I don't know if they were basketball players or baseball players but they were in Oxford for a tournament and uh, as I was eating with my precious precious wife I heard a commotion out in the little shopping area and it was some stuff breaking boom I mean it was like I thought man there went 10 canister sets <laughs> And I had seen that group of boys, and I didn't. I thought, I know how boys are. They, you know, we know how boys are. You guys, you know, get to somebody gets an elbow, and somebody thumps somebody. <laughs> Next thing you know, they, they, it's on, right? <laughs> it's on. 
So anyhow, something like that happened. And uh, as we got done to pay, they were out there sweeping it up. And there was a little boy in line in front of me. And he got him one of those little sticks of candy that you used to get for a penny, but they're a quarter now. You know what I'm talking about? And uh, he's put his candy down. He put his quarter down. And the, <laughs> the cashier said, that'll be 28 cents. And he was three, he was three cents short. <laughs> and he, he just kind of panicked. And he started walking off. I said, hey, man, come on back. And he said, why did I say, I got you, man. So, just a dollar, one dollar. Let me tell you, if you want, God, you want God to use you, there's so many ways God to use you that you don't have to script it or choreograph it. Just get out there and live life, okay? So I said, I got you, man. And so he said, oh, well, thanks. So I get, while we're paying, I'm talking to him about the tournament. Talk to him. He said it was his first time to play in that tournament. I said, man, y'all going to have a great time. So the lady gave him his change back. He turns around. He's wanting to give me his quarter. I'm like, no, you can't. It's you, man. Take it. He's wanting to give him back my change. I'm like, no, I want you to keep it. Now look here. That is nothing about me. That's about who lives in me. Okay? One dollar. Now listen here. I will probably never, ever see that young man again. But somewhere down the line, he's going to grow up. If he makes it through that tournament with those boys that's breaking all them potteries over there. <laughs> There's going to be a time he might find himself in the same situation and maybe, just maybe, he'll pass it on. Are y'all with me? And look, at it. I'm telling you, it's just a dollar, nothing. I mean, this nothing, nothing at all. But I'm just saying, get out there and live life. You never know where God will use you. I thought about when those boys were, <laughs> were scuffling around out there and broke that. I thought, those boys don't even know the pain that comes when having to ride the PE bus. Some of y'all laughing, y'all rode it. I was the last bunch ever got to ride the PE bus, and I'll tell you what, I'd have waited another year to miss that experience. That was torturous, Mark. I mean, I've got 80,000, I probably got brain damage. Y'all are like, we knew it, we knew it, we found it. But no, I'm talking class rings upside your head and everything, and you didn't go tell nobody because you're afraid they'd kill you, so you just... Let that go. But what I'm saying is, is on your way, just go be a blessing because even though there was a lot of people that were mean, a lot of people, there was always somebody that was there to, to kind of pick you up when you fell. That's what I'm telling you to do. You know why? Because I experienced some of these same things everybody else does. I ran an experience years ago because I understand what it means to just feel like your life's out of control. You don't know what to do. You get to where you can't breathe and you can't sleep and you you can't eat, which was a good one for me, but the other ones weren't good. Because Paul talked about that. Paul talked about it in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse, excuse me, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 6 and following. He said this, he said, God allowed something into my life I didn't like. He said, God allowed a thorn in my flesh. And he said, that thorn was so painful. It has buffeted me, and, and, and it's been a, basically a two. I mean, it's just really caused me a lot of agony. And, and I've asked God three times to take it away, but he didn't. 
You, you say, well, did God not love Paul? Did God not hear Paul? Was he not interested in Paul's pain and discomfort? Oh, yes, he was. But God allowed it to stay there for a reason because here's what Paul said. He said that, that, that thorn has stayed and a lot of folks saying, preacher, tell me what the thorn was that Paul had and I'll be honest with you, nobody knows and if anybody tells you they know, they don't know. We don't really know. We can speculate. We can guess. We can come up with some kind of idea, but we don't know. But he said he left it there because it was a reminder of me every day of my weakness because in my weakness, his strength is made perfect. I don't know what your thorn is, and I don't know what anybody else's is, but I would be persuaded to believe that in many, if not most, if not all of our lives, of those who have trusted Christ, that there are certain things God's allowed into our lives to remind us that we're not all that. I tell you, I know what it's like. I, I mean, I'd always been an upbeat, I mean, the glass half full, man, the sun's rising, it's not setting, and then just trying to pick up and pick up, and get yourself up, get yourself up, pick yourself up, pick everybody else up, and then one day you're out of pickups. You can't help anybody else because you can't even help yourself. And those struggles, listen to me, I've asked God to take it away. I've asked God to take away some of those bouts of anxiety and things that I deal with. And I read about Charles Spurgeon. You know what? He did too. I read about Martin Luther. He did too. I read about some wonderful great men of God who had terrible bouts of their own things where they dealt with anxiety, depression, and things like that. And there's so many folks that don't want to talk about it because they're thinking, well, and so many preachers won't tell you that they have struggles because if they do, they're afraid you're going to think bad of them. They're afraid you're going to look down on them. Afraid you're not. It doesn't matter. What we need today is just be real and say, look, we all got struggles and we need God and we need each other. Amen. But you know what I think the reason the Lord had took it away from me is because it reminds me of my weakness <laughs> it reminds me that I'm not very strong in and of myself it reminds me that I cannot do this by myself it reminds me that I need him it reminds me that I need the light for general direction I need the lamp for the next step and I want to say you do too and listen to me if you have struggles don't you ever be afraid to admit it don't ever be afraid to talk to God about it. I tell you, if you have struggles, you may need to talk to a medical professional about it. I had this lady come to me one time and was telling me, she said she needed some help. I was trying to get her some help. And she said that she had came from another state and another church and said the pastor told her if she had real faith that she'd just pray God take away all her pain. I said, that is totally false right there. Totally false. So she was afraid to ask for help because the pastor made her feel bad because she wasn't spiritual enough. God help us. God help us that we'd ever live like that. Well, let me leave you with this today. He talked about the free will offering. <laughs> but it was a different kind of offering. He said, I want you, Lord, to accept the free will offering of my praise. He knew what free will offerings were from the Old Testament law. He knew how they were demanded in Leviticus chapter 1. He knew about the burnt offerings, and he knew all these different things. And, but, but here's what he said. He said, Lord, really, all I've got to offer you today is me. Reminds me of that little boy. Came to church one day, like I did many times as a little boy. Didn't have anything to put in the offering plate. Guess I could put my sweat rag in my Ziploc bag. The little boy felt bad. 
He took a handful of lint, chased down the usher, pulled on his coat. He said, this is all I got. He said, but really what I want to do is something more. He took the plate from the usher, put it down the middle of the floor, and he put his feet in the middle of it and said, Lord, I guess I'll just give you me. Wow. What do you reckon would happen just in this church? I'm not talking about anybody else. Not talking about anywhere else. What do you think would happen in this church if every born again child of God would just literally put their feet in an offering plate and say, Lord, I'm just going to give you all of me? I tell you what would happen. There'd be a revival in this land. You wouldn't have to put it on the marquee, you wouldn't have to advertise it down at the Burger, uh, burger Shack or Jack's Biscuit House. You wouldn't have to tell nothing. I'm telling you the way the word way the way word travels fast. Now, I'm telling you, we have so much bad news and so much gossip and all this stuff. It travels so fast and causes so much damage. What would happen if God's people just said, Lord, I give you me, and revival breaks out in the church? I tell you what, you wouldn't have to tell anybody. The word would go forth from you and your lips and everybody else's lips, and it'd be real. It wouldn't be a rumor. It would be an established report that revival broke out because God. God's people quit being for them and started being for him. You know, I told you the opening verses, living by faith, but I care not today what tomorrow may bring. My favorite part's the last verse. Well, the hymn writer said this. He said, our Lord will return to this earth some sweet day. Woo! Amen? That's shouting ground. That's the spout where the glory's coming out right there. Amen. Our Lord will return to this earth some sweet day. Oh, this is good. Our troubles will then all be over. No more, no more, no more depression. No more anxiety. No more guilt. No more shame. No more worries. Our troubles will then all be over. The master so gently lead us away beyond that blessed heavenly shore I remember on Sunday mornings my grandmother she'd cook breakfast and the gospel jubilee would be blaring through the house every now and then they'd sing a song that was real special to her and she'd stop her mopping and cleaning and all that and sit down and this was one I mentioned it earlier there's a land that is fairer than day and by faith I can see it afar as the father waits over the way to prepare us a dwelling place there in the sweet by and by ladies and gentlemen hear me I am so excited the fact that God is preparing a place for us that's a promise but I am equally excited over the fact that he is present in the journey between here and there. Amen. We are not by ourselves. He is present in the journey from here to there. And that brings me joy. That gives me peace. And I want to report to you today that same joy and peace can be all of ours if we'd simply do like that little boy just say Lord I'm just going to have to offer you me today that's what the psalmist said I'm just going to praise you
I'm going to praise you for what you do, but I'm going to praise you most for who you are. Pray with me. Father, in Jesus' name, I want to thank you so much for the power of your word. I want to thank you, Lord, for how it speaks to my soul and reminds me of your faithfulness day by day. Thank you, Father, for the difference it's making in so many lives. But, Father, my prayer for our people today here as we prepare to depart this house of worship in just a few minutes is that they would live differently as a result of hearing the word today. And, God, that they would personally offer themselves as a sacrifice of praise and a free will offering of themselves that you might get ultimate glory from their life. Lord, I really believe that you're going to send great revival to this land. Lord, I know I'm praying for it and I know many millions across this country and around the world are praying for a mighty sweeping revival of the Spirit of God where the Word of God is proclaimed and people turn and place their faith in the Son of God. Lord, I'm grateful you're on that journey with us between here and eternity. But Father, let that revival begin in each of our hearts. That we just offer ourselves completely for your Lordship, your glory and you'd use us to make a difference in the world around us. Pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hey, if you could look this way just a few minutes before we dismiss, I got a couple things I want to mention to you. And some are not in your bulletin or worship guide there that you'll want to know about. I do want to say again, guys, thank y'all for sharing with us this morning. Thank you for your testimonies and thank you all of you guys that are working with them, Chris and Michael and Tracy and and Carrie and who Lori, I don't want to leave anybody out. There's just a great group there. And I appreciate y'all so much what you're doing. I appreciate our students. And I want y'all to know this and know this that I deeply love y'all. And there's not a thing in the world I won't do for you. And I'm just uh, I just want you to know you're never alone. You're not by yourself. Along with myself, you got a lot of people cheering for you. Be faithful. Don't be intimidated by the world. Don't follow the crowd. God didn't call you to fit in. He called you to stand out. And that's for all of us. Amen. So do remember that. Take the uh, perforated section if you would. And if you have prayer requests or praise reports, please share those with us. You can put those in the offering buckets on the way out. And we put those on the wall in the war room so we can, others as they come through during the week, can uh, take those requests and write them down. And, and you know, some of them <laughs> we don't write stuff down. Anymore. We take a picture of it, don't we? I've seen folks come by the prayer room that take a picture of the prayer board. And go home, blow it up with your fingers. You know what's weird? I was reading an actual newspaper the other day, and y'all know what I started doing? Scrolling the paper. It don't work. I mean, I, I thought, wow, an actual newspaper. So, no, you don't work. We're just all messed up. So, do use that for praise reports, prayer requests. If you have any questions about any ministry, any decisions you need to make for, about your relationship with God, if you don't have a relationship with the Lord and you want to know how you can, there's two ways we can help you with that. After the service, I never leave. I'm always here. The last person's here. 
or, or if you want to and you would like to just leave it in the bucket and leave me some contact information, I'll be glad to reach out to you and help you. If you are a child of God and follower of Jesus and you need to make decisions about your obedience and your relationship service with the Lord, whatever that might be, and you want somebody to help you, two ways, I'm here or you can leave a card and I'll be glad to contact you because I want to help you. I care about people. God put unconditional love in my heart for all people and I want to make the difference and then that so you just uh, let us let us help you with that any way we can okay and I do want to mention one that's not in our bulletin that uh, is coming up we just found out about this week last week we had a mission team of 24 prepared to go to Utah and do kids camp uh, with Awaken City our partners there and of course that as I told you didn't get canceled just got postponed because of the pandemic and we just got word this past week that they are going to be able to do that again uh, this year uh, there you go. So what we're doing in order to try to assemble a team to go out and help, we promised everybody that had to be postponed from last year that they would be given first opportunity when there was an opportunity to go back. So everybody, if you haven't been and you were signed up last year and you haven't been contacted this week, you should have been by now to you check to see if you're going to be available for this year. If there's enough of that team, we'll send that team. If there's a few spots open, we'll open that up to the rest of the church. But we just want you to know, one, so you can be praying. Thank God we're going to have Bible school in Utah this year. We're going to have Bible school in Heflin, Alabama this year. And do thank God for those things. And two, pray for those that were a part of the team last year that are maybe will have an opportunity to go this time. And thirdly, pray that if there might be some open spots that we can share with you about in the next few weeks, pray that maybe God might use you in that area, and we'll be having a meeting about that very soon, okay? The date's on that. Departure's June 26th and returns July 4th. It's a Saturday to the next Sunday. It's a full week, but you will love it. You'll be able to worship with our church partners there, serve in Vacation Bible School, which it's a, they call it Kids Camp. <clears throat> You won't believe this. People in Utah don't know what VBS is. You have to call it something else. So do remember that. Pray much uh, for those dates ahead. I'd love to be a part of that team, but I have a wedding that day. Uh, so anyhow, I'll probably be on, I don't know, by the time I get both through with both of them, it's getting kind of real. You know, Robbie warned me. He told me the closer it gets, well, these back-to-back -back here, I tell you, it's like a double one-two punch here. So uh, anyhow, but... Uh, I'm not real, y'all won't believe this, I'm not a wedding planner, that's shocking to y'all, right? I'm not a flower guy, not into all that stuff, but I'm just, but nevertheless, uh, you know, one thing God did when he gave me daughters, there's something daughters would do to you, don't they, daddy? Soften up that old heart a little bit, won't they? And God uses them too. That, that's been, I, they're not my thorn in the flesh, but they're close, but anyhow. <laughs> They do keep me humble. <laughs> but nevertheless, do pray for those things. Just wanted you to be aware. And just know that God loves you. Told you. The most important person in the universe loves you. And second to him, I love you. And there's not a thing you can do about it. Amen. Hey, Wednesday night, 6 o'clock for adults, 6 o'clock for children, 6.30 for students. Don't forget that. But do. Make it, if you possibly can, on Wednesday nights, adults, we're meeting here in the worship center. If you possibly can make it on Wednesday nights, I encourage you to do that and help you a little bit get on through the week because there's a lot can happen between now and Wednesday. Amen? A lot of things. So we will look forward to seeing you and have your youngins and children's ministry, student ministry. Let's stand together. Marty's going to sing us out. Have a great Sunday. Enjoy a beautiful day. We all get to heaven. <laughs>